Sow a thought. Reap an action. Sow an action. Reap a habit. Sow a habit. Reap a character. Sow a character. Reap a destiny. Ralph Waldo Emerson Welcome to the Citizens of the Globe podcast, where we not only embrace, but encourage change in our environment, in our bodies, in our minds, and in our souls. My name is Michael Maltez, and I aim to break down the borders we create in our minds, one meaningful conversation at a time. For most of my existence, I've been just fumbling forward through life, and there are just two distinct choices in recent memory that I've made that altered the course of my life and have helped me become a more grounded person. The first was starting therapy about a year ago, but the honest work and change in therapy didn't start till six to eight months into it. And the second choice I made, which I started seeing more immediate benefits from, was pursuing my academic career again. In my first semester of college, I took three classes while working full-time, and one of those classes was interpersonal communication. I've mentioned it before, but one key realization in my life was that I was neglecting my need for a social life, and I was isolating myself, drowning in work, leaning on my marriage too much, playing a metric fuckton of video games, all to escape the reality that, honestly, I was just scared to make friends again, and I didn't really know if I had the skills to do that. I didn't feel like I fit in with anybody. Which is one of two chief reasons behind taking the interpersonal communications class rather than a normal communications, like, big speech, oral communications class. The second reason being that I wanted to learn how to more effectively communicate in my relationship with my spouse. I learned so much about myself in that class, and I highly recommend that you take it if you're in college yourself or if you just want to become a better person. I've talked to a bunch of people who have taken this class, and they all say that they loved it regardless of the teacher, but I mean, you should always still do your homework on who your professor is going to be. In that class, I was assigned to read a book titled The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, written by Stephen Covey, and that's what I want to focus on here today, specifically habit two, which is begin with the end in mind. Throughout the book, Stephen Covey illustrates how shifting your current mental paradigm and focusing on a few well-thought-out habits that he outlines can produce incredible results in your work life, in your friendships, in your marriage, and within yourself. In Habit 2, he talks about beginning with the end in mind, and I can best explain this when thinking about myself. For as long as I've been an autonomous being, I've struggled with follow-through. I would start a project just to lose steam midway through, I'd ride the high of a new hobby just to drop it for a new one a few weeks later, and I honestly half-assed a lot of what I did. And what's worse is our society is set up in a way that that kind of behavior is almost rewarded. The reality of this society that we are all at fault for creating and sustaining is that it wants us to be average. It requires us to never reach our full potential because if every Susie, John, Miguel, and Maria 
succeeded in all of their visions for the world and were ultra successful, well then there would be no worker bees to carry out their vision. So yeah, I was just average and coasting through life just fine if I'm being honest, but my brain, just like yours, did that thing where it said, hey, I'm not really happy right now. Let's do something to shake things up. And some might call this self-sabotage, and I personally do to some extent. Well, this time, instead of regressing into unhealthy behaviors, I had school to satisfy my brain's craving for something new, which is a multitude of times better than what I was doing previously. There I was, reading this chapter, repeating the mantra, begin with the end in mind, not fully comprehending what he meant. I thought, well, of course you should always have a goal that you're pointing towards and do things to get to that goal, but that's what I've been doing my whole life, and I'm still unhappy, Stephen. Fix me. Fix this. Please, I'm begging you. Well, I got to a part of the chapter that was in my opinion, super brilliant. I think about it all the time, and actually this episode inspired me to reread through that chapter again. He begins this section by saying, the most effective way I know to begin with the end in mind is to develop a personal mission statement, philosophy, or creed. Quick side note here, which is totally off topic, but the word philosophy can be broken down into two Greek roots, Philo, which means to love or befriend, and sophos, which means wisdom or understanding. So philosophy roughly translates to befriending wisdom. And I think that's beautiful. Okay, back to the book. He says we should create this personal mission statement, which is essentially a constitution for yourself. Think about it for a second. The entire United States government, or well, Every government, for that matter, has a document that they refer to regularly to deal with the everyday happenings of life and society. Absolutely no form of government works without some sort of constitution, telling its politicians and its constituents how to proceed. And yet, you and I and everyone else out here has just been raw-dogging life, making decisions and shit, all guided by a set of morals and rules that we are supposed to remember. Yeah, right. You can't remember all your morals on a dime. At least I can't, and I'm confident enough to admit that. I know for a fact that there has been times where I'm in the middle of a civil discussion with one person and I think or lean one way, and then I have a separate discussion on the same topic with another person and lean slightly in the other way, leaving myself puzzled on exactly where I stand. Enter the personal mission statement. And to be honest, I prefer to call it a personal constitution, so we're just going to go with that from here on out. Okay, okay. I know what you're thinking. What do you even do? Like, do you just write down all your moral and ethical guidelines and look at that every time you're going to order your caramel macchiato and want to know if using the cup is damaging for the environment or you should get a metal straw? Like, I get it. You're not going to use this to make all those little inconsequential decisions of your life. But you also are. Let me explain. See, Stephen very slyly inserted this section into the begin with the end in mind chapter. And it's my interpretation that 
He does this to get you to think about the end of your life, not in the deathbed kind of way, but in the, at the end of my life, what do I want to have accomplished within myself kind of way. And so I'll share a couple of examples of what I wrote in my personal constitution, as well as some of the examples he provides in the book. In my personal constitution, I said, I am going to seek secure attachments, be consistent in my current ambitions, be compassionate, listen more, react less, decide how things are going to affect me, expand my knowledge, be honest with myself and others, be forgiving of myself and others, always act towards peace, and hold myself and others accountable, to name a few. Those were pretty important ideas and concepts to me when I decided to write the personal constitution that I did. And now reading through it, there are a few things I'd like to add. But before we get there, let me read some of the examples that Stephen Covey provides in his book. One of his friends, Rolf Kerr, expressed his personal creed in this way. Succeed at home first, seek and merit divine help, never compromise with honesty, remember the people involved, hear both sides before judging, obtain counsel of others, defend those who are absent, that's a great one, be sincere yet decisive, develop one new proficiency a year, plan tomorrow's work today, hustle while you wait. Maintain a positive attitude. Keep a sense of humor. Be orderly in person and in work. Do not fear mistakes. Fear only the absence of creative, constructive, and corrective responses to those mistakes. Facilitate the success of subordinates. Listen twice as much as you speak. Concentrate on all abilities and efforts on the task at hand not worrying about the next job or promotion. I think Rolf Kerr expressed that amazingly, and those are amazing concepts and ideas to hold yourself to in moments of moral, ethical trials and tribulations, especially, like I said, that defend those who are absent. This is something I need to work on too myself, right? A lot of the times we get to work and we're we got that one person we're all not super excited to be around and all you and your other coworkers start ganging up on that person. But think about it in the other way. Like if that was you and everyone else was talking about you, don't you hope and wish that somebody was there to defend your name? From the examples provided, I think you can begin to see how amazing having a personal constitution is. And the amazing thing about constitutions is that they have this inborn capability to be amended, or well, at least the U.S. Constitution did. And that's not just there for good looks, not in the U.S. Constitution and not in yours. It's supposed to be used. As the times change and as we change and as we grow and expand our knowledge, become more compassionate beings... We should amend the document that governs our society and our personal life. 
Make changes as you grow. As you learn new things. We are evolutionary creatures and it's crazy to me that some people insist on staying the same forever. Once you have it written down somewhere, safe, refer to it often, mentally or physically. Make sure the decisions you make on a day-to-day -day basis align with the constitution that you write today or tomorrow if you're lazy. And that's okay if you're lazy because I would procrastinate on it too and put it off. At the end of this human experience, I have a very strong inclination that you'll be able to look back with a certain level of peace that you've been living in accordance with yourself if you do this. I want you fellow humans to know that I'm not just bringing you these carefully curated bits of information. I'm putting these concepts into practice every day myself. Am I perfect? No. Am I the second coming of Jesus? Probably not. And you're probably not either. So having this personal constitution doesn't mean your whole life is going to click into place now. All it means is that you're holding yourself accountable for your actions. Am I going to tell that white lie today? Well, Michael, I don't know. By doing that, are you being honest with yourself and others? Am I going to hold this grudge against this person who cut me off on the freeway? Well, would that be in line with forgiving yourself and others? Am I going to take on this new project right now? Well, I don't know. Is that going to overload your capacity to be consistent in your current ambitions? And now today, I feel like a Michael... After writing this personal constitution, I feel like a Michael who is walking on his own two feet, fairly well balanced, as opposed to the Michael a year ago even, who was stumbling forward through life. You should be starting to see how useful having some written down personal accountability can be. There's less wiggle room for your moral and ethical decision making. But as I always say, look, you're getting this information through the unique filter that is Michael Maltez. My life experiences have led me to interpret Stephen Covey's book in a certain way. And his life experiences have led him to write the book in a certain way. So I implore you to pursue the source of this information for yourself. Spoiler alert. You may not believe me right now, and you may not understand this, but the originator is you. And with that, I hope you continue to create the day that you want.